Welcome to Stories in the Dark, a podcast about strange and creepy things. Come listen to the dark. Welcome, listeners. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SITD Podcast for updates, news, and the opportunity to chat with me or Jeremy. And also, if you haven't looked at our Patreon, it's a great way to support us, but also we are posting our stories on Patreon. So in addition to listening on our podcast, you can read every story that we're telling you all on your own. I'm excited about this week's episode. It's called No Way Out. And it follows up to the story that you heard in our episode, Out for Blood. Find out what happens after Daniela discovers that Mr. Vale has taken her delivery boy. Have you wondered what Mr. Vale does with the people he takes? Well, in this week's episode... You'll find out. I wake in the darkness, surrounded by pain. There is a man sitting at a desk. His long white fingers hold a sheet of paper. I sit up, carefully, and my head feels dented. An ache that started at the back of my head and has bled forward. The man does not look at me. He sets down the paper and picks up another. Do you find it interesting that they gave you the ability to feel pain? He asks me, still not looking at me. I cannot see his face. I shake my head and regret it immediately. I feel something roll around. When they first made your kind, you were very simple and they made you without pain. You couldn't do much. Each of you had maybe one thing you were programmed to do, one task, and that was enough. But then, of course, they began to tinker, and the more complex they made you, the more easily damaged you were. Back then, you were very expensive to make, and one does not want one's expensive toys damaging themselves. He sets down the last paper and stands. He walks to the spot where I found myself when I woke, and he crouches down to look at me. I still cannot make out his face. The light keeps shying away from it. He leans closer, closer, close enough to kiss. I can't help it. I lean back. I lean away from him. Humans and all the other biological creatures are programmed to avoid pain. They hate that, you know, the messy biomechanics of their own bodies, the nerves, the adrenaline, the sweat. He reaches out and smooths my hair and I flinch away from him. And so when they made you, little robot, they knew no other way. They gave you pain. They gave you fear of pain, and they taught you to avoid damage, 
to your expensive little self. His long-fingered hand reaches for me and grips me by the throat. His hand is cold, colder than me, colder than cold storage. His fingers are oddly pointed, and the long nail of his thumb presses into the hollow of my throat, into my flesh, digging. I start to whine, a noise I despise but cannot help, and he sighs. You know to fear me, little delivery boy, like the rodent fears the snake. You do not know who I am, but you know that I bring pain, and so you fear me. Humans. His voice is a sneer, and he releases me, stands, and brushes his hands on his immaculate knees. They cannot help but build their own flaws into their creations. He walks to the door of the room and regards me. It makes you wonder what their creator was thinking. When he leaves, the music and the cries and moans rush into the room and surround me. They kick me and lick me and get into my head and I curl back into a ball and wait for it to end. And I wonder why he's taken me, why he has brought me here. When I wake again, the music is louder. I can feel the beat of it through the floor, in the walls, and it has underneath it the laughter of those who come here, the cries of those who live here, the sounds of flesh, of humans. The man in the suit was right. I am a robot, a creation, a built creature, but I do not feel any less a person. I know no one is coming for me. I'd heard of the other boys who disappeared. I knew what sorts of things were sold in the sky above my city, but I'd ignored it. I'd avoided it. And now, at last, I was here too. I do not understand why I've not been taken to a room, one of the rooms I'd heard about. Instead, the man in the suit has left me in this room. He comes and he goes. He mostly ignores me. I wait. I wait for him to sell me, to put me to work, but he doesn't. He has someone bring me food, a young girl with blonde hair. I think she is human, but I can't always tell and this headache isn't helping at all. She sets down the tray shyly, but when she looks at me there is something of him in her eyes, something of shadow and hiding and joy in dark things. He is inside her somehow. She smiles at me sweetly, but it doesn't match her eyes, so I know it's a lie, and then she kisses my cheek and leaves me. I see her twice more. I sit on the ground in my room, eating the fuel she brings me, waiting to see what will happen. The door is locked, but it is not the lock that keeps me in here. We are in the floating club above the city, and even if I leave my room, there is no way out for me. I start wondering if there is a way to shut myself down, if there is a way to damage myself beyond repair. I do not like this place. It is called the Pleasure Palace, but the pleasure here is only one way, and all I can hear is the crying, and the music, and the sounds of evil men. When I am past despair, 
When I am venturing into the darkness, he returns. I feel his eyes pass over me, but he goes to the desk and takes up another paper. This one is blank, and he takes a pen from his jacket, the blue-black perfectly fitted jacket, and writes for the first time. It does not take long. He folds the paper in half, and while he does, the door opens and closes. I hear something then, something new, the sounds of screaming over the music, but it is not the usual screaming, it is new. It is the surprised screaming of those who think they are safe, not the usual cries of those who know they are doomed in this place. Alice has come in and she eyes the man. He waves at the shadowed corner behind and to his left, and she hurries over and walks into the shadow and is gone, and all of my nerves are screaming out that I am in danger. I can feel it, but it is not the screaming outside that worries me. It is this man and that girl. He carefully puts the pin back in his jacket, shoots his cuffs, and then walks over to me very precisely. He is not in a hurry, but nothing is wasted here. Nothing. No step out of place. No wasted gesture. I try to crawl back into the wall, but he takes me by the hand and pulls me, and my body goes with him. You are lucky, he tells me. I was beginning to think this wouldn't work. He drags me to the shadow in the back of the room, and he turns once and faces the door. I can see his face now. He grins madly out of the chiseled skull of his face. He looks like a human, but he isn't. Something is different, but I do not catch what it is before he pulls me into the shadow with him and we leave the pleasure palace behind. I do not miss it and the sounds of screaming and the wet noises that follow. When we come out of the shadow, we are in a strange place with black walls where Alice is waiting. He takes her hand in his and the three of us, linked, begin to shadow step from place to place. I do not recognize any of them, but then again, all I know are the places I deliver to that are within range of our city. I sense that we are very far from my home world, that he is shadow stepping us across systems I do not know suns that are not familiar, places too far to think of. He cuts me on the way, a cut on my hand, not deep enough to matter, but enough so that my liquid drips in some of the places we pass through. Alice likes this. She smiles that smile again, so unlike a little girl. She tries to pull my hand up to her mouth and he shakes his head at her. We do this for hours. I lose count of the places we go, and then, at last, we stop. We are in a large house. I think it is a house. It is a residence, I suppose. I see hallways and doors, and I am tired. He leaves me in yet another room. It is sparse but fine. Just a bed and a chair, but the linens are good and the furniture is made of real wood. I do not want to be here. Bring him some food, Alice, 
he says gently as they leave, but his fingers are pressing into her shoulder, his sharp, sharp fingers. I find a bathroom and I clean myself and bandage my hand to help it stop leaking. When I come out, Alice is waiting for me with a tray and her mouth is angry. It makes that line that means angry, but her eyes are elsewhere. Why am I here? I ask her, and her lips press together before she answers me. You are bait. We are trying to catch a monster, she says, and her hand strays up to her shoulder. I think they have enough monsters. Why? I ask again. Her hand falls. Daddy wants to add it to his collection. Her eyes glitter wetly. I hope he lets me play with it, she whispers, and I see she has a knife in her dress. Why would the monster come after me? My heart is pounding. I am afraid of them, but I am also afraid of this monster. She twirls three times. Because you are her only friend, she says. And then she climbs on top of me and wraps her tiny hands around my throat. Bait, she whispers. You're it. She is a small thing, mad as she is. So I set her down gently after pulling her hands away from my throat and I send her on her way. I am worried I know who they are trying to catch. I am worried she will come. Alice does not visit me every day. One night I wake and she is standing over me, holding a knife. There is a tray of knives on the floor. I can see the metal gleaming in the moon that cuts through the darkness of my room, and I feel the peculiar clinching in my chest and the flooding in my false veins, the signals that tell me I am in danger. I do not want to be here, but I cannot help but grab her arm when she moves to stab me. I am built to avoid damage, just like he said. I will miss you when you're gone, she says with her oddly glittering eyes, and she takes her knives and goes. A few days later, they come in together. The man sighs as he looks at me, at Alice, and back to me. He moves over to a wall and leans against it. I am still afraid of him, but I know I have nothing to lose. This was our last stop, after all. Is she closer? I ask. He shrugs. Alice scampers over and sits on the edge of my bed. What should I call you? I ask. You can call me Mr. Vale, he says, his voice like ashes in a field. She is close, but not close enough. I may not be able to stay long enough to let her find us. I nod as if this makes sense, but inside I'm screaming. I have heard of Mr. Vale. Alice has grown quite fond of you, you see, he says. She would like to see your insides. 
He waves his hand, and there is a tree there, on a little cart, and Alice claps her hands and jumps up and down, much like any little girl with her favorite present. Her eyes are shadowed, and I see bruises on her, and cuts, and there is blood on her ankles. He leans against the wall and watches as she cuts into me, and in his eyes I see nothing. I scream until I am hoarse. The floor is slick with liquid. She has used a serrated knife. I felt it tug against my flesh. She played with a razor and a paring knife and a dagger too. She made little clicking noises as she worked and she talked to me in a sing-song nonsense language. Mr. Vale says nothing. He just watches her and me. He likes to watch my eyes while she cuts. When it is over, he has her wash up and then he hands her a needle, long and thin and curved, and a thread made of synth skin, and he shows her how to stitch me up. It is important that he still be somewhat functional, he tells her, and she nods biting her lip as she carefully pulls the needle through my flesh. This is almost worse than the cutting, and I try to pass out. When it is done, Mr. Vale carries me into another room, just like the one I left, but clean. He leans in. Now the fun begins. I do not know what he means. They have not built us to cry, and it is somehow worse. I want to cry, but there is nothing. There is no release for me. I find out the next day what he meant. He allows visitors to see me now. His guests, he calls them. They do things to me too, but they don't use knives. Do not damage him too much, he tells them, and they obey their eyes hungry for whatever he will let them take from me. Sometimes he lets them visit Alice, too. She tells me about it when she comes to see me. He records everything. Daniela is taking too long, he says. I want her to know what her delay is costing. He sends her videos of what they do to me, his guests. Sometimes Alice comes to my room and just sits and cries. He records that too, but I don't know what he does with it. I tried to hug her once to comfort her and she bit my ear. Now I just let her cry. That appears to be all she wants. I can feel myself slowing down here in this large house. They leave my door unlocked. I can wander if I want, but I don't. I'm afraid of what horrors I will see. There is nothing good in Mr. Vale's house. Mr. Vale leaves often now. Alice is crazier when he's gone. Her eyes grow wild and she digs at me with her knives. She doesn't always bother to patch me up and when he returns he fusses at her. There is a right way to damage your things, he tells her, and her face hardens. 
She does not like to be corrected. She is a strange little girl. She hurts me and then she comes to cry to me and then she bites at me if I get near her. I do not think she knows what to do with what she is. This goes on for months. And then, one day, everything changes. I am sitting in my room. I am mostly made of thread now, with too many holes and not enough liquid. I hear running in the hallway in a strange moaning. The temperature suddenly drops and I hear a thin screaming outside. I whimper, curled up on my bed. I do not want to know what else could be happening to me. My door flies open and I see her. It is not Daniela, she of the claws and tail, the woman they are using me to bait. I do not know this woman. She is tall and pale and wrapped in a shroud. Her eyes are deep and sad. She is holding a baby. The baby is gazing up at her and playing with her shroud. The woman tilts her head. Who are you? She asks me. And I don't know what to say, so I say the first thing that comes to me. Bait. She nods. Another game, she says. Stay in here. She leaves and closes the door. I hear something following her and it sounds like a horde of lost souls screaming through the night and the house shakes and groans. My door opens again and a man is standing there. His eyes are wild. Tell him to get me out of here, he hisses. Get Mr. Vale. I shake my head. I have no way to do that. I recognize this man. He is one of the guests who visits me. I would not help him if I could. I don't think he's here today, I say. And it is true. I have not seen him in a while. The man is angry and he steps close to me. I see a swirling darkness behind him and a gaping mouth in the shadows and pitiless eyes. And skeletal arms reach for him from behind and pull him back pull him towards the mouth and then my door slams shut and I bury my head so I don't have to hear them whoever they are and then there is silence the silence lasts for a long time the sun rises and sets and rises again before I open my door hand shaking the walls are smeared with dirt and dried blood and there are bits of fabric on the floor. I stop and listen, but I don't hear anything moving. I don't hear anything at all. I walk through the house, opening door after door. It takes me all day. Room after room is empty. But there are instruments in those rooms that should exist only in nightmares, and I wish I'd never seen them, for they would be in my nightmares for as long as I live. But there is no happy ending here. I walk the empty halls and I find food in the kitchen, but nothing else. 
No Mr. Vale, no Alice, no shrouded woman, and no doors to the outside world. The house is three stories tall and massive. The windows do not open. There are no doors that go outside. The house is completely sealed off from the world. I do not even know what world it is on. There are no phones. In my desperation, I try Mr. Vale's trick. I try stepping into shadowy corners, but it does not work for me. I am all alone in Mr. Vale's house, and there is no way out.